If you have your Bibles tonight, I want you to turn to Philippians. We're in chapter 4 as we uh, continue our uh, journey through this uh, wonderful letter that uh, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. Last week we looked at uh, <clears throat> where there was some division in the church uh, and, and two sweet uh, uh, ladies had gotten into it for some, some reason. Uh, Paul's encouraging them to uh, get it together. He even called on another yoke fellow uh, to go and to intervene and try to get that under control. And so uh, as we he talked about the division, uh, notice uh, right before you get into the verse number 6, he gave uh, some encouragement. He said, the Lord is at hand. I don't know about you, but that encourages me. The Lord is at hand. And then we go into verse 6 and 7 tonight. And if you had to put a title on this, mo- uh, this morning, right? This evening's message would be, don't worry, be praying. Remember back some time ago when that little song and everybody was, don't worry, be happy, and, you know, and had that little happy face. And uh, it, it, that was, it just got sickening after a while, didn't it? Huh. Be, don't worry, be happy, you know, and you're all ticked off about something. Somebody comes around with a smiley face and, uh, well, let's go on. <laughs> See, if I start talking about it more, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get ticked off about it. <laughs> and I preached about anger the other night in there. He says, be careful for nothing. Now, you could uh, translate that, don't be anxious for anything. And you could use that word worry. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so he introduces, first of all, Oh, when we have those times when we do worry, here's what we need to do. First of all, in verse number six, we pray. Okay? Now, when you're praying, there's a byproduct of that. Look at verse number seven. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Notice he brings that up again about the heart and the mind. And we need to understand tonight that if we're going to have victory in our lives, if we're going to be able to be what we ought to be in the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to have our minds and our hearts in harmony. And we cannot have them in harmony when we're fretting and worrying. The Bible says... We don't need to be doing it. And the reason why we don't need to be doing it is God's in control and God will take care of it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power containing your word. Lord Jesus, I ask tonight that no matter what's going on in our lives, I dare say there's somebody that's worrying about something. Maybe there's a lot of people could be worrying about their finances, maybe worrying about their children, 
maybe worrying about their job, maybe worrying about their retirement, or whatever the case may be. Lord, help us to understand that when we're worrying, then we're doubting that you can take care of our situations. So I pray tonight that you will give us a good, strong word. Lord, not only will we heed that word, but we will apply it to our lives so that we can be all that you've called us to be. We can be those, that overcomer that you desire for us to be. And Lord, no matter what's going on in our life or in the life of our church, we can rise above because we have turned to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we pray in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We all understand that uh, we all have those times when we start to worry. My mom, and uh, I can tell just when I'm on the phone with her, I can tell when she's kind of worrying about something. And I'll say, Mom, what are you worrying about? She said, oh, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I said, Mama, you are too. What are you worrying about? I'm not worried. I said, Mama, I know, I know. I can tell it in your voice. She says, I'm not worrying. I'm just concerned. <laughs> well, of course, I tell her, I said, Mom, you can call it whatever you want to. You're worrying. My granddaddy used to say, uh, Son, uh, there's no need to fret over this. However you want to put it, that we all come to a time in our lives that we do worry about things. And here, the Apostle Paul is reminding the church at Philippi they don't need to be worrying, they need to be praying. By the way, that's a good word for us this evening as well. We don't need to be worrying, we just need to be praying. But then we have to understand, well, that's easy for you to say, everything's going okay with you. May I remind you who is making this plea. See, he understands there's division. We looked at it last week. There's division within the church at Philippi, a church that he loved dearly. Remember, we were going through the letter. He was calling them um, beloved, and uh, he was uh, using terms of endearment. He loved this church, and uh, he had an interest in this church. And so uh, here he is, and he understands the church that he cares so much about has some division in it. But not only that, but also there are some believers in Rome where Paul's at as he's writing this letter that there's some division among the brethren there as well. But just go ahead and add a little bit more to it. Paul is in a prison chained to a Roman soldier and Paul understood at any time they could come and take him to his execution. Now, I don't know what's going on in your life but I don't think anyone here can go ahead and say, uh, well, Paul had it, uh, uh, Paul doesn't really know, understand my circumstances. I don't know if anybody here uh, has that worrying to do that you could lose your very life just because you came to church here tonight. Paul had that over his head. But yet with all of this upon him, and if you had to say, well, I think it would be justified, Paul would be able to say, justify. He says, hey, I can worry because here's what I have over me. Here's what I've been weighing on my mind. But he says, don't worry about anything. 
And so as we look at this word worry, what does that word mean? Well, uh, a number of uh, different meanings. And the first one that we come across, worrying is a pulling you in, in your mind, a pulling you in different directions. See, on one hand, you understand what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, don't worry. We, on the other hand, we understand that he says that we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. We understand, he says, that we're victors. He, under, he tells us that we can be overcomers. And so we, we want to gravitate towards that. We want to believe in that. But then on the other hand, oh, here's Satan. He's got that in your mind that things are not going well. And you ought to be worrying about these things. And so why do we say he's orchestrating that? Because he knows if you're having that pull that you're going to become ineffective for the cause of Jesus Christ. Because you're spending all your time and energy worrying about something. Matter of fact, the statistics show that close to 85% of the things that people worry about never come to fruition. But yet we spend a lot of time doing it. But we also see in, in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse number 25 and going through verse number 34, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's a very familiar passage. Uh, we see that uh, he talks, in, uh, Jesus speaking, he says, Now don't, um, don't worry about what you need to eat. Don't worry about what you need to wear. And then he goes on and says, here's the reasoning why. And then he brings the fowls. Uh, he says, look at the birds and look how uh, the Heavenly Father takes care of them. They don't have to worry about if they're going to get a meal today or not. And he goes on and talks about the flowers. And he says, look how they're arrayed and look how they're dressed. And he says, how much more so is he going to be taking care of you? So in Matthew chapter 6, we understand we really don't need to be engaged in worrying because the Scripture is quite clear, God takes care of His children. When we don't have to be fretting over things that we fret over, He will take care of us. But we also see the psalmist helps to remind us, Psalm, the 121st Psalm, uh, the question is raised by the psalmist. Where does my help come from? And then he talks about his eye, he turns his eyes towards the hills. And he says, my help cometh from the Lord. But then he goes on, he says, now here, why well, I have confidence that I'm going to get help because I can call upon to a God that never slumbers nor sleeps. See, you may uh, try to text someone on staff. Maybe it's three o'clock in the morning. And a crisis is broken out. You've gotten some bad news. You're having to rush someone that you care about to the emergency room, whatever the case may be. And let's just be honest with you. We always try to be available, but at 3 o'clock in the morning, I'm just going to be honest with you. If you text me at 3 o'clock in the morning, you probably won't hear from me until the next uh, earlier in the day. I'm just telling you that. It's not because I don't want to. It's because... You know, when I, I'm sleeping, I don't hear the phone and whatnot like that. But you can call upon the Lord Jesus Christ at 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock in the morning, whatever the case may be, and He always is available. Isn't that good to know? 
So now, now listen. So he does not slumber, nor does he sleep. Then in verse number 7, uh, he says that he will protect us from all evil. I don't know about you, but that gives me encouragement. Why should I be worrying when I have a God who's promised me that he's going to protect me from the evil one? Because I'm a child of the king, I understand that he has now clothed me. He has wrapped me in his loving arms. And the Bible says, Jesus said it like like this in John chapter 10. He says, if you're in my hand, no one can take you out of my hand. I don't know about you, but that gives me reassurance and that gives me hope and that helps me to say why should I worry I'm in the palm of the Lord Jesus's hand and his hand is a mighty hand and but then he goes on and he says in verse number eight he says uh, that only uh, does he not sleep not only does he uh, protect us from evil uh, but we also see he he knows our coming and our going and see, his eyes always on us. Now, I'm using my spiritual imagination here. But here's the picture I have. God the Father up there, and he's in heaven. He's, he's seen everything that's going on down here. And, and he knows exactly where I'm at. He, he doesn't have to get a GPS. He doesn't have to contact someone and say, Do you know how to get in touch with Mike? He knows exactly where I'm at. By the way, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, He knows exactly where you're at. And so as we're going through this journey of life, He's looking down upon us, and He's always ready. And He sees that trouble's brewing ahead. And He's not caught by accident. He knows exactly what's going to come into your life and what's going to come to my life. And we can go ahead and say, well, when I'm going through these times, nobody understands. There's one who does understand. His name is Jesus. And so he watches over us. He has his eye on the sparrow, but he also has his eye upon us. And so here we're encouraged by the Word of God that we do not have to be worrying because the Lord knows exactly where we're at and He will come to our rescue. But then we also see another meaning of the word worry and that's strangle. See, here's what worry will do. It will strangle the joy that you have. It will, it will strangle the peace that you have. Matter of fact, it will strangle the very life out of you. Now, we're told in the medical research has come to understand stress not only can affect you mentally, it will affect you spiritually, but it also can affect you physically. It can make you sick. And, and here, uh, here the Lord is up there, and, he, and, and here again, I'm using my spiritual imagination, but he's up there and he sees that we're getting all worked up about something. We're worrying about something. We, we wake up at 2 or 3 in the morning thinking, oh man, and, and we start going through, running all these things through our minds. By the way, I'm preaching to myself right now because that's what happened many times over. I wake up and I'm thinking, oh, I forgot to do this. I got to do this. And, I get, and what has taken place is it has robbed 
robbed me, worrying has robbed me of sleep that I need to where I can be where I need to be that next morning. And so he goes on and he says, talking in verse number 6, we see the principle. He says that we need to carry it in prayer. You don't need to be worrying. I don't need to be worrying. We need to be praying. Why? Because that's where our source of strength lies. Now, I came across this definition of worry. Worrying is, and you might want to write this down. It is not original. I stole it from somebody. So, But it's, a, it's good. Worrying is carrying tomorrow's load on today's strength. Do you get that? Carrying tomorrow's load on today's strength. Vance Hapner said it this way. He says, praying is not, is not asking God for what you want. But prayer is teaching you to ask for what you need. Aren't we all guilty of that? Lord, here's the situation I'm in, and I need you to do this for me. Uh, here again, you're thinking, you, you, you have a lot of time to think about these things, don't you? When we do that, it's like the Lord is saying, that they're still not getting it. Why are, they, why, are they, why are they wasting their time praying when they're already telling me what I need to be doing? And we do that. I'm guilty of it as well. Lord, here's what I need for you to do for me today. And we'll start rattling on and start rattling on. Then we'll throw one, you know, oh, by the way, you need to do this for this one. You need to do that for that one. You need to do this. And next thing you know, that's what we're doing. Lord, I need you to do this. 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 When we should be saying, Lord, what do I need? Show me. But if we're too busy running our mouths and not listening. You ever met people like this? You'll go up there and say, hey, how are you doing today? And they'll flat out tell you. Uh, you know, <laughs> and you spend an hour listening to them. Well, I'm glad you asked. And, and they go on and on and on. And you're thinking, why in the world did I do that? And, and so, uh, but, but sometimes I think God uh, kind of thinks that way too. He says, I, they're, they're supposed to be asking me what they need, but they're down there and, they, and I can't get a word in edge with us. I mean, some, maybe you're one of those persons. You, you know, you, you'll, they'll come up there and they'll ask you a question. Hey, what do you think about this, brother? Oh, you know, well, I'll tell you what I think about it. You know, and you can't even, you're about ready to get your mouth open and they're still running, running, and then they'll look at you and say, well, what, what do you think? And you're fixing to say, well, I'll tell you what, this is how I'll have some of this thing. I mean, sometimes we do that in our prayer life. 
We'll say, Lord, I need this. I need you to do this. I need to do this. Well, okay. And the Lord is trying to tell us, but we're so busy talking that we're not spending time listening. And if we started listening to what God would have in store for us, we wouldn't be fretting and we wouldn't be worrying as much as we are now. Because we've gotten a clear word from God. That's what we need. We need a clear word from God. No matter what you're fretting over, no matter what you're worrying about tonight, you need to pray, he says, with every, every request in prayer and supplication. He wants, listen, he wants your requests known. But also we have to understand that you don't have to spend an hour and a half with your request and then after you're done with your request, you'll say, and thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. Amen. And we haven't heard a word from God. And then we worry about the next day. We're still worrying about the same old thing. Is that not the truth? And so here, Paul is telling us, he says, don't need to be worrying. He, he says, we need to be praying. Now, what happens? There was a number of things that happened. Look at verse number 7. He says, one of the byproducts, if you will, of our praying is that we have peace. Romans chapter 5, verse number 2 sums it up like this. It says that we have access by faith unto His grace. Well, okay, brother Mike, why are you talking about grace when you just said something about peace? Because when you've experienced grace, you'll have peace. When you understand the grace of God operating in your life, you'll have peace. You'll come to understand that my salvation is not based on anything I've done. It's based on His wonderful, marvelous grace. And when you experience that, you're going to have peace. But here's the problem. The problem is, for every, now, every believer has peace with God. Not every believer has peace in God. Are you catching this? When you got saved, the war was over. The Bible is quite clear that we were enemies of Christ. And there was a constant battle going on. But when we got saved, we got peace. So we have peace with God, but the problem that we have is we don't have peace in God. We're, that's the reason why we worried. If we had peace in God, we wouldn't be worrying. It says here, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. Many of you have experienced it. Many of you have testimony to the fact. You don't know, somebody will say, I just don't know how you got through that time. And you know how you got through that time. They say, well, you know, all this happened to you and you still, you know, you have some joy and you still have a smile upon your face. I just don't quite understand that. Well, I'm telling you, the lost world will not understand this peace that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ until they experience the peace themselves. I started thinking about a peace that surpasses all understanding. Exactly what does that mean? Well, I came across the story, and Brother Travis is going to help me with this. I came across a story. Maybe you've heard this story. But there was a, in 1873, there was a gentleman. He was a, a very well-to-do attorney in Chicago. 
Well, in 1873, a financial crisis hit the city. And uh, he started to uh, have some financial difficulties and whatnot. And he thought it was best for his wife. He had four daughters. He thought it would be best to put them on a, a ship and send them over to France and just kind of get away from the stress and all of that that was going on uh, there in this family's life. So he puts them on a ship. Now, back in those days, they didn't have cell phones and, uh, and all of that. As they were going on their voyage, uh, it was, don't know exactly how it happened, but there was another ship and they collided. The ship that this man's wife and four girls were on sank. There was 266, 267 passengers, only 87 survived. Out of the 87 survivors, one of those was his wife. But the girls perished. His wife gets to France. She telegraphs him and said this, very simple telegraph. She said, talks about the, 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 the shipwreck and all that and says, Saved alone, girls lost. What do I do? As fast as he could, he started to get arrangements. He gets on another uh, ship, goes to be with his wife. This man was a member of a Presbyterian church there in Chicago, had a strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As he was setting sail to go visit his wife, you can only imagine the sorrow and the grief. All four of his girls gone. His wife, they're separated. They, uh, and so as he's thinking about that, and of course the trip took a little while. You can only imagine what's going through his mind and the grief and all that that took place. They found the location or close to the location where the, the, the shipwreck happened. The captain somehow knew of this man, knew about his situation, and he told him, he said, Sir, we're somewhere close to where the ship that your family was on went down. He kind of paused there and looked over the sea, and he went back to his room and wrote this song. Brother Travis is going to sing it for us. You're all familiar with it. But I hope you understand, when he starts to sing this song, you're going to remember the song. But now you have the story behind the song. And this is going to help us to understand peace that surpasses all understanding. Brother Travis, will you help me with that, dear brother? When peace like a river attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say it is well it is 
swell with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. It pulses. Apostle Paul said, don't worry, be praying. Because when you pray, you'll get peace that surpasses all understanding. The question I have for you, if something similar or close to that would happen to you tonight, could you be able to sing that song? Lord, it's well with my soul. That's the peace that we're talking about. That's the peace the lost world does not comprehend and will never comprehend. And they come until they come to know the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, you can have peace with God, but do you have peace in God? But then we also understand that in Daniel... Chapter 6, starting with verse 10, somewhere in there. You all know the story. We, when we talk about Daniel, when we come to the sixth chapter there, we think about the lion's den. When we were little, we heard about Daniel and the lion's den. My little grandson Ezekiel, in class, they talked about Daniel and the lion's den. And so he was doing his jibber-jabbering, and, uh, but I made out a uh, lion. And I said, oh, lion. And he goes, yeah, rawr, you know. And, and I said, oh, well. Well, a number of things ran through my mind there. First of all, I thought, that is the sweetest grandchild that every man could ever have. <laughs> Just like you think about your children and grandchildren. But the second thing that came about was, I'm sure glad that my grandson is in a church when they're little bitty fellows, they start hearing the truth of God's Word. And one day, one day, he's going to hear that story and it's going to take on a whole new meaning. Because you remember the story as it goes on. Daniel prayed three times. He was praying before he got in his situation. By the way, it would do us well to remember the time to pray is not when we're in the midst of the lion's den. It's before we get there. Because when we're prayed and understand that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. When we came to realize no matter what I may have to go through, God's in control and God will get all glory and honor in it. We'll fare a lot better in the lion's den if we pray before and not wait till then. But then we see Daniel had that reassurance, did he not? 
He knew God was going to come through for him. He had a peace about that. But Daniel also understood, even if the lions ate him, he was still in a win situation. No matter what you're going through tonight, I'm not going to sit here and tell you like the, uh, as we've heard of our preachers, the joy boys on TV where everybody's happy and everything's going to go well because that's not the Word of God. But I'm going to tell you that maybe it won't come out the way you think it's going to come out. But however it comes out, God orchestrated it and God had His hand on it and we are in a win-win situation. If it doesn't work out, glory be to God. He has something even better in store for us. And so as I was thinking about that, I came across another little story. It's back in the pioneer days of aviation. And there was a, a man who was going to fly around the world. As he, of course, he had to stop numerous times. So he had to, to map out exactly where he could land and refuel and all that. And so he's taking off from one of the landing strips where he refueled uh, and he's uh, flying. Now he's in the air uh, and he notices or starts to hear a little gnawing. He said, well, I don't know what's going on here. And so he started listening a little more intently. And uh, he, in, he says, oh, my gosh. He said, that sounds like a rat. What had happened is that when he landed uh, and they were refueling, apparently a rat got in the airplane. And so here's the man. He's two hours from where he took off. He's another two hours to where he can land. He's in a dire situation because he understands as he continues to hearing that little gnawing sound, he's either gnawing into some wiring or in a fuel line that's going to cause his plane to go down. Started to panic. Started to worry. And then something snapped in his head. A rat's a rodent. Rodents like to be on ground. So he started to take his plane up another thousand. Still hears the gnawing, but it's not quite as active as it was. Goes another thousand. He's 20-something thousand feet up. The gnawing stops. He says, it's dead. I'm now safe. And he makes his journey. Now, what does that story have to do with what we're talking about tonight? See, that's what worry will do. It's like that rat that was in that plane. It'll gnaw at you. It'll gnaw at you. It'll gnaw at you. And eventually, it will bring death. Spiritually, emotionally, even physically. But when you take it to the Lord in prayer, just like when he took the airplane up, the gnawing had to stop. And that's exactly what will happen when we take everything, Paul says, take everything 
to God in prayer and supplication. And so when you go up, worrying has to die. Isn't that good? And that's what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And even though it was an annoying little song, it's appropriate. Don't worry. Be happy. Because King Jesus is on the throne. And He cares for us. And He will provide for His children.